Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm D. And I'm Paris. <laughs> Never you know, get it right. Paris, you know, just. <laughs> well, at this point, the you viewers know expect Ken's it. You're going to set it up. Yeah, it's expected. Viewers? <laughs> viewers, yeah. You don't they're think that they're all like. Ears. You don't think they're all Do, can like you staring? See sound? No, they're staring wrapped at their phones, waiting for our faces to pop up. It's never going to happen. Mm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Face reveal at one million subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that might actually happen for antiques freaks in like a couple years. Not us, though. We're we're we'll forever see. condemned to be the side characters in this story. Hello, we're Paris and Chris from the Terrible Book Club. You probably our, know us our by new now. side characters, Chris and Paris. <laughs> Hello, it's fun sidekicks. Um, today uh, we're here. We're here to read another terrible story. And since the well of Karnacki tales has run dry, we are moving on to Sherlock Holmes. So moving on uh, with our lives at last. Yeah, last, <laughs> yeah. Last ever since time. the breakup, it's been hard, but <laughs> yeah, it's been hard. You know, um, Karnacki just couldn't give us what we needed, which was more stories. <laughs> so we had to move on. Um, our story lust could not be sated. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we're uh, back with back with Mister Doyle, and uh, it's it's not great. Uh, last time we read about a man who just wanted to have sex and took monkey pills, uh, and some, <laughs> for some reason. People felt that was enough of a problem to call a famous detective and, you know, cause a cause a whole fuss about it. So hopefully today's story will uh Detective us... help, my dad's horny. <laughs> <laughs> he just won't stop knocking on my window at all hours. Uh oh. Someone's gonna get horny bonked. Um all right. Well uh today we'll be reading for you The Adventure of the Sussex Vampire. Or vampire, however you want to say it. Vampire. Um, and and uh, Ken can probably tell us a little more about where the story is located in the in the Holmes collection and how we're going to read it to you. So, The Adventure of the Sussex Vampire was published in 1924, which is well after when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle stopped giving a shit about Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say died, and then I and then I realized he's <laughs> still, still writing. He's, he never stops. He's the Tupac of short mystery stories. So yeah, I think we will be able to tell at what point he started giving a shit, or rather, stopped giving a shit in this particular manuscript. Um, I will say it's better question mark than the oops dad took all my monkey pills story <laughs> yeah v- very relative statement uh better than uh but yeah Captain sure crunches oops all monkey pills <laughs> limited time only uh at least today though we're dealing with you know kind of a classic monster the the british uh the british tinged vampire uh so you know this yes. is probably gonna be fine we'll find out Together. After Varney the Vampire, after Carmilla, after Dracula himself, there was the Sussex Vampire. <laughs> I can only imagine. All right. Sussex, uh, my Ken, fucking balls, are... Lamau. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> Dean. Wow. <laughs> Just can't you can't wait for us to get into it. You can't, right. you, you can't see it, but I put my arms up like I was on a roller coaster. That's great. I feel like that's important I felt context. It. I felt it in my heart, dude. Don't worry. Um, so, oh my God. <clears throat> all right, Ken, how are how are we going to read this story to to those fine folks at home? Tell us. Why, Paris? I'm so glad you asked. 
We will be reading this Eye of Argon style, which means we'll each be taking a turn reading until we either fuck up or crack up, at which point it passes to the next narrator, and heckling is strongly encouraged. Fantastic. Because Thank God you. knows it's the only way we'll get through this. Yes, very true. All right. I don't remember who started last time. We never know. We, we just, you'd think we'd I'll keep start. track of it like by now. never once known. I like to start. I, I'm a starter. Well, you are. Don't get me started because I like starter. to start. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. okay, is everybody ready? Yeah, everyone I'm ready. Up prodigy and get ready. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that song, Side Note. It is very it good. Goes it goes so good. hard. It is exceptional. <laughs> the Adventure of the Sussex Vampire. Holmes had read carefully a note which the last post had brought him. Then, with the dry chuckle which was his nearest approach to a laugh, he tossed it over to me. <laughs> For a mixture of the modern and the medieval, of the practical and of the wildly fanciful, I think this is surely the limit, said he. What do you make of it, Watson? I read as follows. 46 Old Jewry, November 19th. Three vampires. <laughs> Sir, our client, Mr. Robert Ferguson, of Ferguson and Murhead Tea Brokers of Mincing Lane, has made some inquiry <laughs> from us in a communication of He's even so date concerning vampires. <laughs> local gay neighborhood. Yeah, mincing late. Like, I sometimes I can't believe this is real. It's just, it's amazing. Everything in England sounds so goddamn fake, which is how J.K. Rowling yeah. was able to trick all of us into thinking she was capable of world building when really she was just writing down England as it <laughs> she, is. She was yeah. just British the whole time. Yeah, that was her secret. Just fucking British. All right. Tell us, tell us of this letter on mincing lane. As our firm specializes entirely upon the assessment of machinery, the matter hardly comes within our purview, and we have therefore recommended Mr. Ferguson to call upon you and lay the matter before you. We have not forgotten your successful action in the case of Matilda Briggs. We are, sir, faithfully yours, Morrison, Morrison, and Dodd, per EJC. Matilda Briggs was not the name of a young woman, Watson, said Holmes in a reminiscent voice. It was a ship which is associated with the giant rat of Sumatra. Oh, sick. Where's that story? <laughs> Why are yeah. we reading about the giant rat of Sumatra? That Someone. sounds tight. I'm the giant rat of Sumatra that makes all of the rules. <laughs> you don't know that video, Let's go look see it up. what kind of trouble Holmes can get himself into. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I knew D would bring it up. Nice, I love that nice. video so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. Rats, rats, rats. Okay. We are the rats. A story for which the world is not yet prepared. But what do we know about vampires? Does it come within our purview either? Anything is better than stagnation, but really we seem to have been switched on a Grimm's fairy tale. Make a long arm, Watson, and see what V has to say. What the hell make, is what, this? Make like? a long arm? What does that mean? He's throwing a football to him. Watson and get the volume V down from the encyclopedia on the shelf. Ah, oh. and always here to clarify. I cheated so by reading a paragraph ahead to see what happened next. <laughs> I thought they were doing I, like a football I, scene, like in the room. Here I was thinking that Ken, you know, is just a natural scholar of the Victorian <laughs> times. Like you idiots, it, it is the V volume. Go long, <laughs> go, <laughs> Watson. Go Toss long. Me that volume, Watson. Go long. <laughs> God. I leaned back and took down the great index volume to which he referred. Holmes balanced it on his knee, and his eyes moved slowly and lovingly over the record of old cases, mixed with the accumulated information of a lifetime. Uh, Holmes has hopped up on the sofa. He is moving towards the 10-yard line. Oh, oh, there's Watson. He is, oh, he's into the kitchen. He's into the kitchen. Holmes got to make the throw now. 
He's lovingly remembering a rat, everybody. He's lovingly remembering <laughs> the rat days. Oh, uh, you all remember the rats, right? Oh, there he goes. And rat touchdown. Victory. <laughs> Voyage of the Glorious Scott, he read. That was a bad business. I have some recollection that you made a record of it, Watson, though I was unable to congratulate you upon the result. Victor Lynch, the forger, venomous lizard or gila. Remarkable case, that. Vittoria, the circus bell. Vanderbilt and the Yegman. Viper's <laughs> vigor. The Hammersmith wonder. Hello, hello, good old index. You can't beat it. Listen to this, Watson. This is a fucking Vampirism list of doom metal bands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Hammersmith and Viper's vigor. <laughs> Vittoria. Yegman. Eh. Vittoria. Vampirism. Yeah. Yeah. And again, vampires in Transylvania. He turned over the pages with eagerness, but after a short, intent perusal, he threw down the great book with a snarl of disappointment. Rubbish, Watson, rubbish. What have we to do with walking corpses who can only be held in their grave by stakes driven through their hearts? It's pure lunacy. The end. Oh, <laughs> cool, cool, great. We're Open the next letter. See you later. This is fucking stupid. Next case. <laughs> But surely, said I, the vampire was not necessarily a dead man. A living person might have the habit. I have read, for example, of the old sucking the blood of the young in order to retain their youth. <laughs> Gross. Remember that monkey thing? I guess that wasn't really the same thing, but you know. You are right, Watson. It mentions the legend in one of these references. But are we to give serious attention to such things? This agency stands flat-footed upon the ground, and there it must remain. I've heard of people going out there checking out ghost pigs and stuff, man. It's, yeah. We're not doing that. <laughs> and dudes in their wells with hot ham hocks. <laughs> the world is big enough for us. No ghosts need apply. Which is I hilarious considering where yep. Doyle's career was at this point. <laughs> Which was thoroughly chasing down every possible ghost and also with a detour into the realm of the fairies. Oh yeah, that's true. I fear that we cannot take Mr. Robert Ferguson very seriously. Possibly this note may be from him, and may throw some light upon what is worrying him. He took up a second letter, which had lain unnoticed upon the table whilst he had been absorbed with the first. This he began to read with a smile of amusement upon his face, which gradually faded away into an expression of intense interest and concentration. When he had finished, he sat for some little time lost in thought with the letter dangling from his fingers. Finally, with a start, he aroused himself from his reverie. Cheesemans, Lamberly, where's Lamberly Watson? I need some cheese, goddammit. <laughs> I thought, to me it sounded like Cheesemans was like his exclamation upon realizing something. <laughs> it is in Sussex, south of Horsham. Not very far, eh? And Cheesemans? I know that, country homes. It is full of old houses which are named after the men who built them centuries ago. That doesn't distinguish it one. from anywhere else in England. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not <laughs> unique. You get Oddleys and Harveys and Carritons. The folk are forgotten, but their names live in their houses. Precisely, said Holmes coldly. It was one of the peculiarities of his proud, self-contained nature that, though he docketed any fresh information very quickly and accurately in his brain, he seldom made any acknowledgement to the giver. I rather fancy we shall know a good deal more about Cheeseman's Lamberley before we are through. The letter is, <laughs> as I had hoped, from Robert Ferguson. Cheeseman's. By the way, he claims acquaintance with you. With me? You had better read it. He handed the letter across. It was headed with the address quoted. Dear Mr. Holmes, it said, 
I have been recommended to you by my lawyers, but indeed the matter is so extraordinarily delicate that it must that it is most difficult to discuss. It concerns a friend for who I am acting. This gentleman married some five years ago. Oh, God. Lady. Why are all these stories like, hey, this old guy married this young lady and I'm like peering into the situation, writing you a letter about it. Like, oh, man. Ah, oh, the Victorians. <laughs> the daughter of a Peruvian merchant whom he had met in connection with the importation of nitrates. The lady was very beautiful, but the fact of her foreign birth and of her alien religion always caused a separation of interests Oof. and of feelings between husband and wife. Okay. So that after a time, his love may have cooled towards her, and he may have come to regard the union as a mistake. He felt there were sides of her character which he could never explore or understand. This was the more painful as she was as loving a wife as a man could have, to all appearance absolutely devoted. Wow, kind of sounds like it's not her problem, huh? Wow, incredible. <laughs> Now for the point which I will make more plain when we meet. Indeed, this note is merely to give you a general idea of the situation and to ascertain whether you would care to interest yourself in the matter. The lady began to show some curious traits quite alien to her ordinarily sweet and gentle disposition. She's climbing the walls! Gentlemen. <laughs> She's scuttling around on all fours! Help me! <laughs> the gentleman had been married twice and he had one son by the first wife. This boy was now 15, a very charming and affectionate youth though unhappily injured through an accident in childhood. Twice the wife was caught in the act of assaulting this poor lad in the most unprovoked way. Once she struck him with a stick and left a great wheel on his arm. This was a small matter, however, compared with her conduct to her own child, a dear boy just under one year of age. On one occasion, about a month ago, this child had been left by its nurse for a few minutes. A loud cry from the baby, as of pain, called the nurse back. As she ran into the room, she saw her employer, the lady, leaning over the baby and apparently biting his neck. There was a small wound in the neck from which a stream of blood had escaped. The nurse was so horrified that she wished to call the husband, but the lady implored her not to do so and actually gave her five pounds as a price for her silence. Five dollars? Uh, Fuck off! What? I'm going to the cops. Nineteen twenty-four dollars. No explanation was ever given, and for the moment, the matter was passed over. How do you pass over a, a woman sucking the blood from a child from its neck? I just, I don't... Paris, five pounds is five pounds. Uh, <laughs> I guess. It left, however, a terrible impression upon the nurse's mind, and from that time she began to watch her mistress closely and to keep a closer guard upon the baby, whom she tenderly loved. It seemed to her that even as she watched the mother, so the mother watched her, and that every time she was compelled to leave the baby alone, the mother was waiting to get at it. Day and night the nurse covered the child, and day and night the silent, watchful mother seemed to be lying in wait as a wolf waits for a lamb. It must read most incredible to you, and yet I beg you to take it seriously, for a child's life and a man's sanity may depend upon it. At last there came one dreadful day, when the facts could no longer be concealed from the husband. The nurse's nerve had given way, she could stand the strain no longer, and she made a clean breast of it all to the man. To him it seemed as wild a tale as it may now seem to you. He knew his wife to be a loving wife, and, save for the assaults upon her stepson, a loving mother. Why, then, should she wound her own dear little baby? He told the noose that she... The, the noose, okay, told well... The noose. <laughs> He told the noose to wait a moment. He had some business to finish first. <laughs> All right. Well, there's my first trip up there. 
Yeah, is it that's... thee or me, D? The, uh, sorry, I got a sidebar. What a fucking smart move. Fucking ace play for a vampire to make your own blood bank. Ooh. Well, but, <laughs> that is smart. Well, but can vampires even give birth? I mean, well, I guess it depends on... In Twilight, on... they can. Oh, let's yeah. not talk about that. That canon is... that. That No, we're not, we're not going there. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, good question. I mean, if they could, you'd think they would just do this all the time, right? Just produce little, little blood babies. What if they're all just dumb as shit? Yeah. <laughs> what if you're really stupid when you're a vampire because <laughs> you don't have a brain anymore? <laughs> all right, who's up? He told the nurse that she was dreaming, that her suspicions were those of a lunatic, and that such libels upon her mistress were not to be tolerated. Whilst they were talking, a sudden cry of pain was heard. Nurse and master rushed together to the nursery. Imagine his feelings, Mr. Holmes, as he saw his wife rise from a kneeling position beside the cot and saw blood upon the child's exposed neck and upon the sheet. With a cry of horror, he turned to his wife's face to the light and saw blood all round her lips. It was she, she beyond all question, who had drunk the poor baby's blood. So the matter stands. She is now confined to her room. There has been no explanation. The husband is half demented. <laughs> Only a little bit. He knows, and I know, little of capital V vampirism beyond the name. We had thought it was some wild tale of foreign parts. And yet here in the very heart of the English Sussex, well, all oh, this heavens. could be discussed with you in the morning. <laughs> Will you see me? Will you use your great powers in aiding a distracted man? If so, kindly wire to Ferguson, Cheeseman's, Lamberley, and I will be at your rooms by ten o'clock. Yours faithfully, Robert Ferguson. Man, imagine the days when, like, you had to send a text by human foot. Like, yo, walk this over there. All right, and then walk back. P.S. I believe your friend Watson played rugby for Blackheath when I was three-quarter for Richmond. It is the only personal introduction which I can give. That is... Okay. <laughs> what a tenuous sure. fucking claim. Uh, <laughs> hey, I kind of... I think when uh, we, your buddy was playing rugby, I was also playing rugby at a completely different place, and we maybe played <laughs> rugby against each other. That's like saying, hey, we took the same bus one time. <laughs> <laughs> of course I remember him, said I, as I laid down the letter. Big Bob Ferguson. The finest three-quarter Richmond ever had. He was always a good-natured chap. It's like him to be so concerned over a friend's case. Holmes looked at me thoughtfully and shook his head. I never get your limits, Watson, said he. We really must renegotiate sometime. There are unexplored <laughs> possibilities about you. Take a wire down like a good fellow. We'll examine your case with pleasure. Your case? We must not let him think that this agency is a home for the weak-minded. Of course it is his case. Send him that wire and let the matter rest until morning. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Unexplored possibilities. Why, Watson, I didn't know you were the type of man who might have known a man who plays rugby. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty confused <laughs> about wow, that, so too. so interesting. I was like, did he not know he played sports? Like, I don't know. Promptly at 10 o'clock next morning, Ferguson strode into our room. 
I had remembered him as a long, slab-sided man with loose limbs and a fine turn of speed, <laughs> which had carried him around description many I've ever heard. He was actually just a piece of meat with a couple of pasta noodles stuck in it, like one of those weird TikTok things. <laughs> God. This isn't a man at all. There is surely nothing in life more painful than to meet the wreck of a fine athlete whom one has known in his prime. His great frame had fallen in, his flaxen hair was scanty, and his shoulders were bowed. I fear that I roused corresponding emotions in him. What? (laughs) Second chance romance! (laughs) A quick question, what the fuck? He's just like, I also look like shit, moving on. Hello, Watson, said he, and his voice was still deep and hearty. You don't look quite the man you did when I threw you over the ropes into the crowd at Old Deer Park. I suspect... Nope, I expect... (laughs) Sorry, I got distracted with rewriting the second chance romance in my head as I was reading. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I I, I figured that was a a danger here. (laughs) I expect I have changed a bit also, but it's this last day or two that has aged me. I see by your telegram, Mr. Holmes, that it is no use my pretending to be anyone's deputy. It is simpler to deal direct, said Holmes. Of course it is, but you can imagine how difficult it is when you are speaking of the one woman whom you are bound to protect and help. What can I do? How am I to go to the police with such a story? And yet the kitties have got to be protected. That's true, you protect those little cats. Is it madness, Mr. Holmes? (laughs) Is it something in the blood? Have you any similar case in your experience? For God's sake, give me some advice, for I am at my wit's end. Very naturally, Mr. Ferguson. Now sit here and pull yourself together and give me a few clear answers. I can assure you that I am very far from being at my wit's end and that I am confident we shall find some solution. I'm at my wit's middle, man. Don't even <laughs> don't even act like I'm at my wit's end. I'm at my wit's two-thirds, so give me a <laughs> First of all, tell me what steps you have taken. Is your wife still near the children? We had a dreadful... Oh, shit. I didn't think Oh, of fuck. Oh, God. Oh, sh- oh geez. I knew I was forgot a, something. It was the one thing. <laughs> we had a dreadful scene. She is the most loving woman, Mr. Holmes. If ever a woman loved a man with all her heart and soul, she loves me. She was cut to the heart that I should have discovered this horrible, this incredible secret. She would not even speak. She gave no answer to my reproaches, save to gaze at me with a sort of wild, despairing look in her eyes. Then she rushed to her room and locked herself in. Since then, she has refused to see me. She has a maid who was with her before her marriage, Dolores by name, a friend rather than a servant. She takes her food to her. Then the child is in no immediate danger? Mrs. Mason, the nurse, has sworn that she will not leave it day or night. Are we going to call that a fuck up? I said day or night instead of night or day. Eh, it's fine. I'm only glad it's slide. All right. I can absolutely trust her. I am more uneasy about poor little Jack, for as I told you in my note, he has twice been assaulted by her. But never wounded? No, she struck him savagely. It is the more terrible as he is a poor little inoffensive cripple. Wow, I just had to read those mm. words. Jesus Christ. Ooh, boy. That's Ooh. his own goddamn son he's describing there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's good. Uh, Fuck. <laughs> uh, Ferguson's gaunt features softened as he spoke of the boy. Of his boy. All right, fuck, fuck me. I'm off the rails. That was I. <laughs> yeah, nah, okay. that's man. that's enough. <clears throat> Dear, you're up. You would think that the dear lad's condition would soften anyone's heart—a fall in the childhood and a twisted spine, Mister Holmes. But the dearest, most loving heart within. Holmes had picked up the letter of yesterday and was reading it over. 
What other inmates are there in your house, Mr. Ferguson? Inmates? <laughs> That's a fun way to put it. Uh, wow, your house is a prison? Like, get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> Two servants who have not been long with us. One stable hand, Michael, who sleeps in the house. My wife, myself, my boy Jack, baby, Dolores, and Mrs. Mason. That is <laughs> we haven't <laughs> named him yet. Baby He's just baby no right now. Don't can't get attached because she's gonna eat the fucking thing. Like you don't name yeah. your dinner. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. Don't name your dinner. Wise tip from D. I gather that you did not know your wife well at the time of your marriage. I had only known her a few weeks. How long had this maid Dolores been with her? Some years. Then your wife's character would really be better known by Dolores than by you. Yes, you may say so. Holmes made a note. I fancy, said he, I very fancy that I may be <laughs> of more use at Lamberley than here. It is eminently a case for personal investigation. If the lady remains in her room, our presence could not annoy or inconvenience her. Of course, we would stay at the inn. Ferguson gave a gesture of relief. What'd that look like? I... I don't he know. He salutes? Like, it is what I hope... I'm assuming Mr. he just has both arms over his head like one of those blowy guys in front of a used car lot. <laughs> just kind of wiggling. I was imagining him, like, loosening his belt a little bit and letting his gut out. <laughs> it is what I hoped, Mr. Holmes. There is an excellent train, too, from Victoria, if you could come. It's it goes chugga-chugga-choo-choo. Choo. It's really great. Train. Of course we could come. There is a lull at present. I can give you my undivided energies. Watson, of course, comes with us. But there are one or two points upon which I wish to be very sure before I start. This unhappy lady, as I understand it, has appeared to assault both the children, her own baby, and your little son. That is so. But the assaults take different forms, do they not? She has beaten your son. Once with a stick, and once very savagely with her hands. And once at chess. <laughs> it was really a trouncing. Did she give him no explanation why she struck him? None, save that she hated him. Oh, is I mean, that that's all? kind of an explanation. Yeah. Yeah. What a mystery. <laughs> again and again, she said so. Well, that is not unknown among stepmothers. <laughs> a posthumous jealousy, we will say. Is the lady jealous by nature? Yes, she is very jealous. Jealous with all the strength of her fiery, tropical love. Oh, yikes! Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oof. What if we big yikes? <laughs> uh, this but, is now the second, like, huge-ass yikes in this story. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a lot, I think, moving forward. <laughs> but the boy, he is 15, I understand, and probably very developed in mind, since his body has been circumscribed in action. Did he give you no explanation of these assaults? No, he declared there was no reason. Were they good friends at other times? No, there was never any love between them. Yet you say he is affectionate. Never in the world could there be so devoted a son. My life is his life. He is absorbed in what I say or do. And about to be absorbed into my wife via blood. <laughs> Once again, Holmes made a note. For some time, he sat lost in thought. No doubt you and the boy were great comrades before this second marriage. You were thrown very close together, were you not? Very much so. 
and the boy, having so affectionate a nature, was devoted, no doubt, to the memory of his mother. Most devoted. He would certainly seem to be a most interesting lad. There is one other point about these assaults. Were the strange attacks upon the baby and the assaults upon your son at the same period? In the first case, it was so. It was as if some frenzy had seized her, and she had vented her rage upon both. In the second case, it was only Jack who suffered. Mrs. Mason had no complaints to make about the baby. That certainly complicates matters. I don't quite follow you, Mr. Holmes. Possibly not. One forms provisional theories and waits for time or fuller knowledge to explode them. A bad habit, Mr. Ferguson, but human nature is weak. I fear that your old friend here has given an exaggerated view of my scientific methods. However, I will only say at the present stage that your problem does not appear to me to be insoluble, and that you may expect us to find at Victoria I fucked it up at two o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a good place to fucking up. Yeah. There's a big old paragraph break. Scene right breaking there, so. everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right, so you know, some ladies sucking baby blood and beating the shit out of her stepson. Normal. Like you Get do. Holmes on the case. Normal it's things. Like you do. Like you. All right, back at it over here. It was evening of a dull, foggy November day. When, wait, evening in the day? <laughs> okay. It was my favorite time of day evening. <laughs> well, it was it was the evening of a dull, foggy November day. Although, I don't know why the hell you wouldn't just say it, it was, was a, a dull, dull foggy, foggy November, evening. November evening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe because you're being paid for word count. Having left our bags at the checkers... Lamberley and the rallies we as checkers well. again. Was the checkers just like a fucking like friendly is or something? Was it just like some? <laughs> we got the like, delicious che- burger yeah. at the checkers. <laughs> that, that, a lot, a add. lot of pub names get repeated from town to town in England. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So There's a way. white heart in almost every one of them. Mm, all right. We drove through the Sussex clay of a long winding lane and finally reached the isolated and ancient farmhouse in which Ferguson dwelt. It was a large, straggling building, very old in the center, very new at the wings, with towering Tudor chimneys and a lichen-spotted high-pitched roof of Horsham slabs. The doorsteps were worn into curves, and the ancient tiles which lined the porch were marked with the rebus of a cheese and a man after the original builder. <laughs> Cheesemans! Within, the ceilings were corrugated with heavy oaken beams, and the uneven floors sagged into sharp curves. Ken is getting really interested right now, I bet. An odor of age and decay pervaded the whole crumbling building. I want to go to there. Mm-hmm. Alright, keeps going, Ken, so get comfy. Yeah. There was right. one very large central room into which Ferguson led us. Here, in an old-fashioned fireplace with an iron screen behind it dated 1670, there blazed and spluttered a splendid log fire. Just hear, like, a sexy sax in the background. <laughs> Ken's just walking in. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Holmes. I, I can't believe that I've brought you here. It's so romantic. Oh, heavens, I'm sorry. The room, as I gazed round, was a most singular mixture of dates and of places. The half-paneled walls may well have belonged to the original yeoman, farmer of the 17th century. 
They were ornamented, however, on the lower part by a line of well-chosen modern watercolors, while above, where yellow plaster took the place of oak, there was hung a fine collection of South American utensils and weapons, which had been brought, no doubt, by the Peruvian lady upstairs. Yeah, where do you where do you store your swords? With your spoons? Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. On the wall? Yeah, perfect. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> swords, just big knife. Holmes rose with that quick curiosity which sprang from his eager mind and examined them with some care. He returned with his eyes full of thought. Hello, he cried. Yeah, because he was looking at Sherlock. <laughs> hey! A <laughs> I just got it. A spaniel had lain in a basket in the corner. It came slowly forward towards its master, walking with difficulty. Its hind legs moved irregularly, and its tail was on the ground. It licked Ferguson's hand. What is it, Mr. Holmes? Fucking dog, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Only Sherlock could solve this one. The dog. What's the matter with it? That's what puzzled the vet. A sort of paralysis, spinal meningitis, he thought. But it is passing. You'll be all right soon, won't you, Carlo? A shiver of assent passed through the drooping tail. The dog's mournful eyes passed from one of us to the other. He knew that we were discussing his case. Did it come on suddenly? In a single night? How long ago? It may have been four months ago. Very remarkable. Very suggestive. Mm. What do you see in it, Mr. Holmes? A confirmation of what I had already thought. Oh, God. For God's sake, what do you think, Mr. Holmes? God damn it, tell me! <laughs> asshole. You stupid bitch! What do you think I'm here for? <laughs> <laughs> it may be a mere intellectual puzzle to you, but it is life and death to me. My wife, a would-be murderer. My child in constant danger. Don't play with me, Mr. Holmes. It is too terribly serious. The big rugby three-quarter was trembling all over. Holmes put his hand soothingly upon his arm. Both of them? I fear that there is pain for you. <laughs> Mr. Ferguson, whatever the solution may be, said he, I would spare you all I can. And I, I cannot say more for the instant. But before I leave this house, I hope I may have something definite. I didn't Please want to say God, this, but the, uh, the dog is your son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I sussed this out because neither of them walk good. <laughs> it's, it's so obvious. I can't believe you didn't figure it out. Jesus Christ. You'll excuse me, gentlemen. I will go up to my wife's room and see if there has been any change. He was away some minutes, during which Holmes resumed his examination of the curiosities upon the wall. When our host returned, it was clear from his downcast face that he had made no progress. He brought with him a tall, slim, brown-faced girl. Oh, the tea is ready, boy. Dolores. Oh, I do not trust Doyle with this at all. Nope, not even oh, a little. God. Oh, it's coming. Chris, it's coming. Be prepared. Oh, no. Okay, I'm going to pre-apologize for this <laughs> in a minute. The tea is ready, Dolores, said Ferguson. See that your mistress has everything she can wish. She vera ill, cried the girl, looking with indignant eyes at her master. She no ask for food. She vera ill. She need doctor. I frightened stay alone with her without doctor. Oh, sorry. Sorry, world, for yeah, that. Yeah, sorry, everybody. Yikes is, uh, and you're out. <laughs> Ferguson looked at me with a question in his eyes. I should be so glad if I could be of use. Would your mistress see Dr. Watson? I take him. I no ask leave. She needs doctor. Then I'll come with you at once. 
followed the girl, who was quivering with strong emotion, up the staircase and down an ancient corridor. At the end was an iron-clamped and massive door. It struck me as I looked at it that if Ferguson tried to force his way to his wife, he would find it no easy matter. The girl drew a key from her pocket, and the heavy oaken planks creaked upon their old hinges. I passed in, and she swiftly followed, fastening the door behind her. On the bed, a woman was lying who was clearly in a high fever. She was only half conscious, but as I entered, she raised a pair of frightened but beautiful eyes and glared at me in apprehension. Seeing a stranger, Why? she appeared to be relieved. Why the fuck would you describe her eyes like that? Why would you so do feverish. that? feverish. I don't know. She appeared to be relieved and sank back with a sigh upon the pillow. I stepped up to her with a few reassuring words, and she lay still while I took her pulse and temperature. Both were high, and yet my impression was that the condition was rather that of mental and nervous excitement than of any actual seizure, because, I mean, she's a lady, why believe her? Yeah. Exactly. She lie like that one day, two day, I afraid she die, said the girl. The woman turned her flushed and handsome face towards me. Where's why my is it important that she's beautiful while she's dying? Why is that a detail anyone I, is I noticing? I can't finish because... otherwise, Ken. Yeah, because lady <laughs> lady must be hot for anyone to care. That's why. Well, she's got a fever, so he got that going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Wow. Because <laughs> I live here. I'm in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here forever. Thanks, guys. Where is my husband? He is below and would wish to see you. I will not see him. I will not see him. Then she seemed to wander off into delirium. A fiend. A fiend. Oh, what shall I do with this devil? Can I help you in any way? I mean, I'm the doctor. I think I should know. But I mean, can I, can I, do you know how I can help you? Why don't you be the doctor, actually? Yeah. No, no one can help. It is finished. All is destroyed. Do what I will. All is destroyed. The woman must have some strange delusion. I could not see honest Bob Ferguson in the character of fiend or devil. Madam, I said, your husband loves you dearly. He is deeply grieved at this happening. Again, she turned on me those glorious eyes. Oh, wow. He loves me, yes, but do I not love him? Do I not love him even to sacrifice myself rather than break his dear heart? That is how I love him. And yet he could think of me. He could speak of me so. He is full of grief, but he cannot understand. No, he cannot understand, but he should trust. Will you not see him? I suggested. No, no, I cannot forget those terrible words, nor the look upon his face. I will not see him. Go now. You can do nothing for me. Tell him only one thing. I want my child. I have a right to my child. That is the only message I can send him. She turned her face to the wall and would say no more. So at this point, Sherlock Holmes is a glorified marriage counselor. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to take these vampirism cases, but clearly he does whatever the hell comes across his desk. I returned to the room downstairs where Ferguson and Holmes still sat by the fire. Ferguson listened moodily to my account of the interview. How can I send her the child, he said. How do I know what strange impulse might come upon her? How can I ever forget how she rose from beside it with its blood upon her lips? He shuddered at the recollection. The child is safe with Mrs. Mason, and there he must remain. What if she was putting blood into the baby? Oh Have my god, the baby! <laughs> the baby's the vampire! Holy fuck! The baby's the vampire. <laughs> the baby's the vampire. That's my. That's it. Case closed. Got Fucking it. Paris Holmes out. 
Yeah, go go home, Sherlock. We got it. A smart maid, the only modern thing which we had seen in the house, had brought in some tea. What the hell is a smart? Did they have tea robots then? It's my smart maid, <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> they mean Alexa that she was dressed tea. cleanly and neatly. But it says the only modern thing which we had seen yes, in the house. A, a clean maid. How? I'm. Because before they were all covered in shit. I guess it's before a maid was considered a person. Yep. Usually my maids are quite grimy. It's so hard to find good help. As she was serving it, the door opened and a youth entered the room. He was a remarkable lad, pale-faced and fair-haired, with excitable light blue eyes which blazed into a sudden flame of emotion and joy as they rested upon his father. He rushed forward and threw his arms round his neck with the abandon of a loving girl. Oh, Daddy, he cried. I did not know that you were due yet. Oh, I should have been here okay. to meet you. Oh, I am so glad to see you. Wait, what have they seen? Have they been, like, apart for some time? Like, what the hell? Like a day. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sherlock thinks it's strange for a child to love his father. Well, it's weird that he's he's acting like a puppy where, like, you know, you leave for five minutes or five weeks, the dog is still, like, stoked. Kind of yeah, what 15-year-old do you know that is, like, glad to see their parents come home? Well, I mean, I've never met them, but I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> what 15-year-old boy do you know sees his dad come home and goes, Oh, daddy, I've missed you so. And then, like, throws himself about his neck. I mean, you know, neck. back then there wasn't, like, Minecraft and TikTok and all that, so he, he's got nothing better to yeah, do. Yeah, hey, really. let's keep this straight. I don't know any 15-year-olds, <laughs> and I don't intend to. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope none of us know 15-year-olds except Chris, who teaches children. Yeah. <laughs> I was Paris, I was about to say here, like, I know a lot of 15-year-olds. I got a lot of cousins. <laughs> wow, out of context, that would be, that'd be bad. Uh, all right, moving back, moving back to the story. Ferguson gently disengaged himself from the embrace with some little show of embarrassment. <sighs> Dear old chap, said he, patting the flaxen head with a very tender hand. I came early because my friends, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, have been persuaded to come down and spend an evening with us. Is that Mr. Holmes the detective? Yes. The youth looked at us with a very penetrating and, as it seemed to me, unfriendly gaze. Oof. What about your other child, Mr. Ferguson? You know, the one you haven't fucking named yet. <laughs> Might we make the acquaintance of the baby? Yes, hello, Mr. Baby. I'm hello? Mr. Holmes. Glad to make your acquaintance. I'll give you my business card. I'll take yours. <laughs> it just says baby in big font and then baby underneath it. It's smaller <laughs> and it's like, it's like covered in food. <laughs> Ask Mrs. Mason to bring baby down. Said for, they really didn't name it. Yet. Well, no, I mean, you couldn't name children until they were what, two? Because that's the time at yeah, which they were likely to live. Yeah, there's no polio vaccine yet, man. Yeah, you could name them, but it would be a massive disappointment. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. shouldn't name things until you know they're going to survive. So I think it was the age of two. I feel like Ken would know this more than I would. And this one has the more complicating factor with its mother actively trying to make it dead. Yeah, yeah so they really don't want to name <laughs> I would that not one. not take bets that it was going to make it. <laughs> the boy went off with a curious shambling gait which told my surgical eyes that he was suffering from a weak spine. And not his father out loud telling me with his human mouth that, yeah, my son <laughs> suffered a spinal injury and as a yeah. result is handicapped. I thought he might have been lying, yeah. but uh, no, his kid's handicapped yeah. as fuck. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Pretty weird thing to say. Yeah. 
Presently he returned, and behind him came a tall, gaunt woman bearing in her arms a very beautiful child. Oh, here we go. Dark-eyed, golden-haired, a wonderful mixture of the Saxon and the Latin. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Wow. Ferguson was evidently devoted to it, for he took it into his arms and fondled it most tenderly. <laughs> um, picturing him just tweaking the ears, like, making them, moving the nose, like, poking it in the eye. Fancy anyone having the heart to hurt him, he muttered, as he glanced down at the small, angry red pucker upon the cherub's throat. It was at this moment that I chanced to glance at Holmes and saw a most singular intentness in his expression. His face was as set as if it had been carved out of old ivory, and his eyes, which had glanced for a moment at father and child, were now fixed with eager curiosity upon something at the other side of the room. Following his gaze, I could only guess that he was looking out through the window at the melancholy, dripping garden. It is true that a shutter had half-closed outside and obstructed the view, but nonetheless it was certainly at the window that Holmes was fixing his concentrated attention. Then he smiled, and his eyes came back to the baby. On its chubby neck there was this small puckered mark. Without speaking, Holmes examined it with care. Finally, he shook one of the dimpled fists which waved in front of him. Goodbye, little man. You have made a strange start in life. You really did make the baby's acquaintance. <laughs> really did. That baby really had a business card. Look at that. I know it's not weird to call kids little man, but with like Sherlock's whole deal, it kind of seems like he just doesn't know what a baby is. It's like some <laughs> sort of small gentleman. <laughs> small hairless puppy. I don't know. <laughs> Nurse, I should wish to have a word with you in private. He brings her aside. He's like, "What is that?" <laughs> what? what? Hey, quick question. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Some kind of small guy? What the fuck? Why is that man so small? <laughs> he took her aside and spoke earnestly for a few minutes. I only heard the last words, which were, Your anxiety will soon, I hope, be set at rest. The woman, who seemed to be a sour, silent kind of creature, withdrew with the child. What is Mrs. Mason like? asked, Miss asked Holmes. Not very prepossessing externally, as you can see, but a heart of gold and devoted to the child. Do you like her, Jack? Holmes turned suddenly upon the boy. His expressive mobile face shattered over, and he shook his head. Jackie has very strong likes and dislikes, said Ferguson, putting his arm around the boy. Luckily, I am one of his likes. The boy cooed and nestled his head upon his father's breast. Ferguson Normal 15-year-old behavior. Him. I love I love how the father's always just like shoving him away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> like... Oh fuck, I raised my son weird. <laughs> Oops. Run away, little Jackie, said he, and he watched his son with loving eyes until he disappeared. Now, Mr. Holmes, he continued, when the boy was gone, I really feel that I have brought you on a fool's errand. For what can you possibly do? Save give me your sympathy. It must be an exceedingly delicate and complex affair from your point of view. It is certainly delicate, said my friend with an amused smile, but I have not been struck up to now with its complexity. It has been a case for intellectual deduction, but when this original intellectual deduction is confirmed point by point by quite a number of independent incidents, then the subjective becomes objective, and we can say confidently that we have reached our goal. I had in fact reached it before we left Baker Street and the rest has merely been observation and confirmation. Ferguson put his big hand to his furrowed forehead. 
For heaven's sake, Holmes, he said hoarsely, if you can see the truth in this matter, do not keep me in suspense. How do I stand? What shall I do? I care nothing as to how you have found your facts, so long as you have really got them. Yeah, fuck, here, here, Ferguson. I'm also tired of Holmes being like, <laughs> I'm such a smarty pants, but I will not tell you yet. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, you're going to be so fucking, you're going to be so fucking stoked when I reveal it. Oh my God. <laughs> Certainly I owe you an explanation, and you shall have it. But you will permit me to handle the matter in my own way? Is the lady capable of seeing us, Watson? She is ill, but she is quite rational. Very good. It is only in her presence that we can clear the matter up. Let us go up to her. She will not see me, cried Ferguson. Oh, yes, she will, said Holmes. He scribbled a few lines upon a sheet of paper. You at least have the entree, Watson. Will you have the goodness to give the lady this note? I ascended again and handed the note to Dolores, who cautiously opened the door. A minute later, I heard a cry from within, a cry in which joy and surprise seemed to be blended. Dolores looked out. She will see them. She will listen, said she. <laughs> wow. I'm just reading as written here, guys. It is phonetically <laughs> spelled out, yeah. At my summons, Ferguson and Holmes came up. As we entered the room, Ferguson took a step or two towards his wife, who had raised herself in the bed, but she held out her hand to repulse him. He sank into an armchair, while Holmes seated himself beside him, after bowing to the lady, who looked at him with wide-eyed amazement. I think we can dispense with Dolores, said Holmes. Oh, very well, madam. If you would rather she stayed, I can see no objection. Now, Mr. Ferguson, I am a busy man with many calls, and my methods have to be short and direct. The swiftest surgery is the least painful. Let me first say what will ease your mind. Your wife is a very good, a very loving, and a very ill-used woman. Ferguson sat up with a cry of joy. Prove that, Mr. Holmes, and I'm your debtor forever. I will do so, but in doing so, I must wound you deeply in another direction. I care nothing so long as you clear my wife. Everything on earth is insignificant compared to that. I hope this statement doesn't come to bite me in the ass within 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Yeah, really. I hope this conclusion isn't massively embarrassing. <laughs> I feel like after the way his son has behaved, nothing could possibly embarrass this man. Let me tell you then, the train of reasoning which passed through my mind in Baker Street. If my mind is a choo-choo tunnel, and it goes chugga-chugga <laughs> with ideas. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of a vampire was, to me, absurd. Such things do not happen in criminal practice in England. In non-criminal practice, however, oh boy, vampires galore. <laughs> and yet your observation was precise. You had seen the lady rise from beside the child's cot with the blood upon her lips. I did. Did it not occur to you that a bleeding wound may be sucked for some other purpose than to draw blood from it? Uh-huh. Nimrod? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, he said. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much I forgot uh, to think oh, about. <laughs> Was there not a queen in English history who sucked such a wound to drop poison from it? Was poison? There? I don't know. A South American household. My instinct felt the presence of those weapons upon the wall before my eyes ever saw them. It might have been other poison, but that was what occurred to me. When I saw that little empty quiver beside the small bird bow, it was just what I expected to see. If the child were pricked with one of those arrows dipped in curare or some other devilish drug, it would mean death if the venom were not sucked out. 
and the dog. If one were to use such a poison, would one not try it first in order to see that it had not lost its power? I did not foresee the dog, but at least I understood him and he fitted into my reconstruction. Now, do you understand? Your wife feared such an attack. She saw it made and saved the child's life, and yet she shrank from telling you all the truth, for she knew how you loved the boy and feared lest it break your heart. Jackie! I watched him as you fondled the child Stop just Stop saying that. Please use any other verb, Mr. Holmes. Please, <laughs> any, any other verb. Anyone. His face was clearly reflected in the glass of the window where the shutter formed a background. I saw such jealousy, such cruel hatred, as I have seldom seen in a human face. My Jackie! You have to face it, Mr. Ferguson. It is the more painful because it is a distorted love, a maniacal, exaggerated love for you, and possibly for his dead mother, which has prompted his action. His very soul is consumed with hatred for this splendid child, whose health and beauty are a contrast to his own weakness. Good God, it is incredible! Have I spoken the truth, madame? The lady was sobbing, with her face buried in the pillows. Now she turned to her husband. How could I tell you, Bob? I felt the blow it would be to you. It was better that I should wait and that it should come from some other lips than mine. When this gentleman, who seems to have powers of magic, wrote that he knew all, I was glad. You're a wizard, Holmes! The powers <laughs> of magic that included being in the house for five minutes. <laughs> Getting yeah. freaked out by your kid. I think a year at sea would be my prescription for Master Jackie. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, excuse right. me? What? Or he can murder with impunity at sea? Whoa, really? Navy well, he be won't upon have the motive at sea. <laughs> no one at sea will be, you know, a rival for his father's affections. Yes, that's true, but... What about I a mean... fucking boat for a year? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> That'll fix him right up. <laughs> I think... Doyle might be predisposed to assume going on a boat cures everything because he did serve aboard a whaling vessel when he was an undergraduate in medical school. Wait, Holmes or Watson or Sorry, Doyle? Doyle. Doyle. Okay, the author. Whoa, boat be upon ye. <laughs> it's boat time, boy. So, the, so what the story is like autobiographical he was actually trying to murder his he's his just brother. trying to kill his little brother <laughs> he's like yeah that boat fixed me up <laughs> only one thing is still clouded madame we can quite understand your attacks upon master Jackie there is a limit to a mother's patience but how did you dare to leave the child these last two days I had told Mrs. Mason she knew exactly so I imagined Ferguson was standing by the bed, choking, his hands outstretched and quivering. Choking? <laughs> this, I fancy, I, is I, the I time for our I, exit, Watson. I should have cut, <laughs> cut the grapes in half. I should have cut the grapes in half. Trying to tell you about your murderous son. Why are you eating grapes? If you will take one elbow of the two faithful Dolores, I will take the other. There, now, he added as he closed the door behind him. I think we may leave them to settle the rest among themselves. I don't need payment, I guess. I will just go, like, we just do this for fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I have only one further note of this case. It is the letter which, Ms. which Holmes wrote in final answer to that with which the narrative began. It ran thus. Baker Street, November 21st. Re-vampires. Sir, 
Referring to your letter of the 19th, I beg to state that I have looked into the inquiry of your client, Mr. Robert Ferguson, of Ferguson and Murhead, tea brokers of Mincing Lane, <laughs> and that the matter has been brought to a satisfactory conclusion. With thanks for your recommendation, I am, sir, faithfully yours, Sherlock Holmes. The letter that said nothing. Uh, if someone called that me a tea was... broker on Mincing Lane, it. I'd assume it was a new slur. Yeah, I also <laughs> would agree. Um... Is he, you know, a tea broker of Mincing Lane? <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know what they call that, the tea broker. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Just put him on a boat for a year. He'll stop mincing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the mincing will increase with rapidity. The mincing will increase until morale improves. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so that's over. Uh, that, was, that felt like if a one or episode ended on like the first guy that they talked to. Yes, yes, exactly. It came full circle. <laughs> the first interview is actually the criminal. God. Like, okay. Oh, <sighs> it was man. just so, I mean, I'm not complaining about the length of the story, but it, it felt a little rushed. Like, Holmes didn't even do anything. He just kind of looked around a house for five minutes and was like, ha ha. Rushed, rushed as correct. if the author was sick of writing Sherlock Holmes already and really wanted to get back to researching these fairies. Yeah, I mean, hey, the fairies, man, those are important. I like how the whole thing came down to Holmes going like, hey, man, have you ever heard of, like, blood being sucked out for medical reasons? That We do that yeah. all the time here in Victorian land, man. Like that's Holmes sitting in man down and going, hey, you know your son is really fucking weird, right? <laughs> how did you figure it out? Like, you know, none uh, well, of I... this is normal, right? <laughs> He's like, how did you figure it out? And he's like, what? Uh, look at him, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Why are these... Okay, so I went back to the table of contents to see, like, all right, what else is in here? They're all called The Adventure of the Whatever. There's yeah. one, though, called The Problem of Thor Bridge. And yeah, Thor's on it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but did you feel like this Get out of the way, Thor. Come on, let this, me pass. I mean, if this I recall so... correctly, the problem of Thor Bridge is that he smashed it to pieces with a big hammer. So... Uh, well... <laughs> I mean, I just don't feel like this was an adventure. This was more the mystery no? of the Sussex they went, vampire. They took a train to a completely different town. Yeah. And then they walked in a house. That's exciting. Yeah, I don't... They found a really weird kid adventure. It was a South American house. Ooh. I mean, I liked the I liked the basics of it, like, you know, evil, evil child, not not evil mom. That was about the only thing I think i enjoyed they saved uh, a man's marriage adventure <laughs> oh man I'm, I'm just not looking forward to the rest of these they all sound worse than this i gotta say karnaki had way more meat on the bone i feel like <laughs> i mean they were well, longer he had actual ghosts so i feel like that helped yeah well the Kar yeah. karnaki karnaki had the actual law and order as view vibe where it was just like what could it be could it be a ghost and then it's just like a feral naked man eating ham <laughs> like, okay in your, i am um, basement and I, you're like oh okay i definitely didn't see that going um i uh i i wasn't planning on doing this but I'm looking above the table of contents, and there's a there's like an uh, an opening from Arthur Conan Doyle. Ooh! And it oh, ends, the preface. <laughs> and it yes, and it ends with the sentence, 
or rather the two sentences. And so, reader, farewell to Sherlock Holmes. I thank you for your past constancy and can but hope that some return has been made in the shape of that distraction from the worries of life and stimulating change of thought which can only be found in the fairy kingdom of romance. I felt like he left oh, us Oh, fuck. Whoa. Those little girls with the, the paper got him kingdom. fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was high on the pixies. Her Doyle oh. is down bad. He is Doyle bad. Wow. Well, that was. Well, thank you all for joining us on this rip roaring adventure. I feel like this was my best reading yet. Yeah, that was great. You did a good job. And you know what? I was glad I only had to read for about two minutes, and then you had to say all the horrible things. I only had to say one horrible thing. (laughs) Yeah, it really made made Chris say all the racist stuff. Yeah, it really worked out. Well, let's not put it that way, man. Well, I mean, the, you know, the words in the story yes, were, I, were yes, racist. But... Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Oh, till no. next easily solvable mystery. <laughs> Until Would then. Would you be interested in reading not a Sherlock Holmes mystery, but a mystery by Arthur Conan Doyle about a mummy? Damn mummy. Uh, we did read a mummy story. Um, I forget who wrote that one though. Not this guy. That was a Frenchman. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do we think Doyle can write a mummy? We'll find out, won't we? I, I love that Ken's Ooh. got all the mummy mysteries on lock. I know it's a closet full of them. The mummy closet. Well, I do like that we now have the concept of Victorian SVU, though. Like. <laughs> God, it's River Street all over again. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, glad to join you on this one, and we'll see you next time. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, uh, listen to Terrible Book Club. Listen to Terrible Book Club. (laughs) What's wrong with you? They did a Bella Sarah book, it was tight as fuck. Uh, Yeah, because D asked us to, and it happened. (laughs) We read about read about horse child horse fantasies with mind control. Normal shit. Yes. All right, go check that out and keep listening to Antiques Freaks. See you later. All right, jerks. Goodbye. <laughs> if you enjoyed the audio engineering, sound design, and music used in this episode and would like to use it in your own projects, you should email chris.rasmusiewicz at gmail.com. That's C-H-R-I-S dot R-A-M-U-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z at gmail.com. Or visit oselkaaudio.com. That's O-S-E-L-K-A audio dot com. If you would like to suggest episode topics or just say hello, you can email us directly, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you would like to listen to deleted scenes or listen to our special bonus episode presentation of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varian the Vampire, you can hit up our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. And thank you in particular for listening. Au revoir!